Welcome to the VA HSRND Investigator Insights podcast series. In this episode, Query Dissemination Coordinator Diane Hanks speaks with Investigator Hilde Hagedorn about her work evaluating and implementing the use of medication-assisted treatment for veterans with opioid use disorders. Before we talk about the study, please tell us about the importance of medication-assisted treatment for opioid use disorder. Among veterans that receive care within the VA, approximately 1% have an opioid use disorder diagnosis, and that is about 60,000 veterans. And medication treatment is the gold standard treatment for opioid use disorder. Mm -hmm. It's often referred to as medication-assisted treatment, Mm -hmm. but we're actually trying to change that language to be medication treatment. For opioid use disorder because people assume that medication is one piece of the gold standard treatment when actually mm-hmm. the medication is the gold standard treatment. So that's not to say that um, these individuals would not benefit from all sorts of wraparound services and right. counseling and groups and mental health, health mm-hmm. assistance and all that. But what we're trying to avoid is the Mm -hmm. situation where if someone's willing to take a medication but they're not willing to do all that other stuff right they should still have access to the medication because it's very clear that the medication by itself Mm -hmm. reduces mortality which is ultimately what the goal is i would imagine for veterans living in rural settings that makes a huge difference because they don't have to travel to see a therapist or, you know, medication is something they can pick up at their pharmacy, or is this something that they have to pick up at a VA hospital? So is buprenorphine it? can be mailed out to pharmacies. Okay. Um, there are even there are VAs that are willing to mail it mm-hmm. out to people's homes. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that is because it's a controlled substance, you have to sign for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're working full-time or something like that, yeah. people will get a post office box because they can mm-hmm. leave it locked in the post office box without a signature. So, yeah, exactly. For um, access issues, Mm -hmm. if you live too far away from your facility um, or if you're working full-time and you can't get there during regular business hours, um, it just makes it much more convenient for people to access And which medications are we talking about? Are there, I think there are two or three, right, that are used? Yes. So there's methadone, buprenorphine, and naltrexone. Methadone can only be prescribed in DEA-licensed substance use disorder treatment facilities, and it has to be, the person has to take the medication on site. Buprenorphine can be prescribed from anyone's office. So our, obviously, physician or provider, nurse practitioner, Mm -hmm. physician's assistant, but can be uh, prescribed from the office. Mm -hmm. So in VA, most of that prescribing has been done in substance use disorder specialty clinics. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we're really working on now is expanding access where providers in mental health and primary care and pain clinics will also be willing to write those prescriptions. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because outside of VA, it's almost flipped. Um, Mm -hmm. Buprenorphine is much more frequently provided through primary care settings and not as much through substance use disorder specialty care because outside of VA, a lot of SUD specialty care doesn't have prescribers. So outside VA, the problem's almost the reverse. And then naltrexone is the third one, and 
that's considered second line. So methadone and buprenorphine are opioid agonists. Well, uh, methadone is agonist and buprenorphine is partial agonist. It is an opioid. Now Trexone reduces craving for opioid use disorder. It is not an opioid. Some people really want to be completely off all opioids, and so mm-hmm. they are more interested mm-hmm. in naltrexone, um, but it is not as effective, mainly because mm-hmm. of adherence issues. You can, you know, you decide you want to use opioids, you stop taking your naltrexone. So really the injectable naltrexone that lasts 30 days is really... Oh, wow. It's really the only option that we recommend. And with that, the danger is that if if the injection starts to wear off and they don't right. come back for the next one and they start right. using again, their tolerance yeah. is gone. So that can be a very dangerous time. So that's why methadone and buprenorphine are considered first line. So tell us about your study okay. and the implementation <laughs> phase. Because implementation is important to studies and doing it right and for further spread. The goal of the study is to increase access to medication therapy mm-hmm. for opioid use disorder in the lowest performing VA facilities in the country. On average across facilities about 30% to 40% of patients with opioid use disorder are receiving medications. Arguably that's still too low but if you look across facilities the mean may be 30% but you have clinics or facilities that are up to 60% and you still have facilities that are virtually at zero. So we took the lowest quartile Uh, facilities, which Mm -hmm. meant that their prescribing weight was less than 20% at baseline. And we randomly selected eight of those facilities and reached out to their substance use disorder specialty care leadership Mm -hmm. and asked them if they would like to be included in this study, which basically provides extensive external facilitation to help them figure out a strategy to increase access mm-hmm. to the medications. In those lowest performing sites, some of the sites had a couple, a few dozen mm-hmm. actionable patients, and some had several hundred. When you think about the VA metrics, mm-hmm. um, so uh, SUD-16, which is the percentage of patients with opioid use disorder who are on uh, approved treatment, medication treatment, Right. Um, then that gives you the number of actionable patients. An mm-hmm. actionable patient is someone who has an opioid use disorder who is not yet on yeah. an approved medication treatment. So we figured that the implementation challenges at those sites would be very different mm-hmm. from each other because you're, you're talking about very rural facilities right. versus very urban facilities that mm-hmm. are just not able to keep up with this huge demand. Yeah. Um, and so we have a mix of those. We, we purposefully selected a mix of mm-hmm. those types of facilities. And we basically, we start interviewing everyone that will give us the time. That's step number one. We interviewed at least 10 people from each of the eight facilities. Wow. We put together a site report for them, mm-hmm. which basically described this is your current situation. Mm-hmm. These are the barriers you identified for why you're you're not expanding. Mm-hmm. Facilitators, potential strategies, and we took that site report on a site visit. And Dr. Adam Gordon, who's my co-PI, mm-hmm. and I spent a day and a half at every site. And he provided X waiver training in order to prescribe buprenorphine in an office-based setting. 
providers have to do an eight-hour training and get a DEA X oh. waiver. So first thing we did, do the X waiver training, mm-hmm. so at least they have the option. And then he also does other didactic education about how mm-hmm. to do this in your office setting, because that's mm-hmm. what he does in primary care. And then we reserve about four hours of that site visit are mm-hmm. really about action planning and strategizing. And so we come away from the visit with these are the top three goals we have for our year and these are the barriers related to each and the steps that need to be taken and the people that are going to be responsible and then over the next year we have conference calls with them once a month we have four sites are done with their year and then our last four site we've got four more that will be wrapping up so are you seeing any any findings yet? Yeah, so I think it's really encouraging. We have um, a statistically significant mm-hmm. increase in the number of providers that have their waiver. Oh, good. Step one. Yeah. The number of patients that have a prescription. At this point, each one of our sites is paired with three to four control sites. And at this point, the difference between the intervention and the control sites yeah. is only significant for the number of waivered providers. The control sites have also increased on all those metrics, but the intervention sites have increased more on right. the number of waivered providers in right. the first six months. This is okay. just because yeah. we only have complete data for all sites up to six up months to six right six now. Months. Right. So what we're hoping is that since they outperformed unwavered providers in the first six months, that maybe right. in the second six months, then you'll see them outperform right. on patient prescriptions. Yeah. Yeah. But there are so many initiatives going on right now in right. VA and in the states and nationally yeah. that are targeting the exact same issue. So being able to tease out that this uh, that, that, that made the difference was the thing that yeah. I mean mm-hmm. it's it's going to be hard but yeah you know for me I the reason that I do this kind of work is because I want to help these facilities and their providers mm-hmm. and their patients and of course I like getting fabulous statistically significant results and amazing yeah. publications but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it doesn't happen all the time so right right <laughs> but just knowing that you're changing the lives of some veterans mm-hmm. and you're bound to that's that's a huge contribution to to their lives to their families lives and who knows who they tell you know if one person changes he or she could change five other people's mm-hmm. um, opinions about taking methadone or buprenorphine for opioid use disorders and we see that with providers as well if you can get one primary care provider to just start doing this and generally speaking once people overcome you know they get their training they overcome the fear I mean there's a lot of fear about starting Mm -hmm. someone on this medication once they start one or two Mm -hmm. people they become the hugest champions ever because you see a dramatic almost almost instantaneous difference for yeah. patients. Yeah. Because they have to come in in withdrawal. Right. And you give them the medication and they're feeling better right away. Right. They leave feeling right. better. And they... Over, they can go back to their lives. They go back to their lives. And we hear people yeah. say things like, I have my life back. Yeah. It's great work. Thank you. So, as I mean, usual. <laughs> thank work. you. 
The views and opinions expressed in the preceding podcast are concerned with the scope of recently concluded or ongoing VA HSRD funded research and do not necessarily reflect current or to be implemented VA policy. To learn more about this research, visit the VA HSRD website at www.hsrd.research.va.gov.